Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today we're going to continue a series that I started last week, which is called Greater, and it's all about increasing. So as I increase in Christ, it's not increasing in your personal skills. It's not increasing, even though one of my goals this year is to grow in my skills as a, as a, um, as a leader, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, th- that's a natural skill. It can be a, a spiritual gift as well. But I want to increase in him. I want to grow deeper in him. And you never get to a place where, you, uh, where you've reached it. You never get to that place. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. If your walk with the Lord is stale, it's not God's problem. It's like you got to figure out, like, what's going on? Uh, how can I grow in the Lord, get deeper in the Lord? Uh, in this series in Greater, we're going to be learning about what it means to grow in Christ because I'm telling you, I've told people here at Destiny, you'll either grow or go. Like, you won't stay here if you don't want to grow. Because we're, we're feeding you the word of God on a regular basis, especially on Sunday morning, but in small groups and things like that. But if you, if you are not a person that wants to grow, in other words, like for your life to be changed in some way, uh, you know, then, then you're not going to be happy here. Like just because we don't want to stay at that same place. Sometimes I feel like growth is so slow. It's like, you know, the church sometimes seems like it's a bamboo shoot. That stuff takes forever to grow, but when it takes root and it begins to shoot way up, it's almost impossible to kill bamboo. I mean, it's literally, I've had people that they will tell you, do not plant bamboo in the back of your yard. Don't do that. I think it's so pretty. Uh, It's just so cool, but they'll tell you, don't plant bamboo because you will never be able to get rid of it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were God's bamboo? That we grew, we increased, we just began to take over. They, they're like, dude, it'll take over your whole backyard. It'll take over everything. And they're right, it will. But wouldn't it be amazing? Because he's made us to uh, go forth into all the earth, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and govern the earth is what he tells us to do. So it's all about greater. God made us to grow. If you ever stop growing, we're growing every day. Even, even, even as an adult, you're still growing. New cells are being reproduced at an astronomical rate. It'd, be, it'd blow our minds to know how many, how many um, uh, molecules and cells that we lose in our body every day. But God's replenishing them as they are being lost. Um, so John chapter 15, we're going to go there just a little bit. Give you a little bit of context behind John chapter 15. Now, we're in 21 days of, of communion. We're calling it the 21-day feast instead of fast. And so for this is day eight. And we get this practice from Jesus' last meal with his disciples. We call it the Last Supper. If you want to get all religious about it, you can call it the Eucharist, okay? That's what they call it in the churches, the liturgical churches. There's nothing wrong with that. But we call it the Lord's Supper. The context of John chapter 15 is God uh, or Jesus knows he's about to leave these guys. They're clueless. They don't know. 
they're still under the impression that he's come to set up a political kingdom. They're like, man, you're our next political leader. You're our next Donald Trump. You're our next Joe Biden. You're our next whoever those people are going to be uh, in the next presidential race. They're, they were looking for him to set up something to overthrow the Roman government. He's like, I've come for a different kingdom. I rule in a different way. I, ru- I don't rule with the sword. I rule with love. I rule with the sword of the spirit. You know, so he's, he's kind of in a different place. They're not on the same page. He's saying things to them, and they don't understand it. He's like, one of, one of you here tonight will betray me. You know, so he's talking to them in this last meal. And so he's getting ready to leave. Now, he's getting ready to leave. These fledgling people, like we call them the disciples, these fledgling people, these are like people who worked in the auto parts industry, or they worked as a greeter at Walmart, or they worked at, uh, you know, the local hospital uh, as a surgeon. I mean, they're just from all backgrounds. One worked at H&R Block. You know, they all worked in different uh, uh, spheres of influence, and they came together, and they had never done this before, so it didn't matter what their level of education was. You you can have a master's degree in, you know, I don't know, astrophysics or, or something, but when, if they put you in a kitchen, it doesn't mean you can cook just because you have that degree. And so they had lots of training in their areas of expertise, but this was new to them. You're not fishermen anymore. You're fishers of men. It's a different kind of, same principles. You can sort of apply them, but it's in a different way. And so he's calling this fledgling group, and he's about to leave. This is scary. He's about to leave the church that he is setting up to them. They haven't even really sort of gotten a lot of the, uh, of the main teachings and they flub it up and mess it up and they'd come back and say it didn't work and he's like, well, you didn't do this. Go out and do it again. But anyway, he's like, ready or not, here I go. He's like, I'm getting ready to leave and it's going to be all on your hands. And so he could have said, all right, now I need y'all to remember this, this, and this. I need y'all to understand the dynamics of church growth I need you to understand this is how we plant churches because I'm going to need y'all to go into Asia Minor and I'm going to need you to, you know, years it's going to go around the world at some point. I need you to know these principles of church growth or church planning or uh, principles of leadership. He didn't do any of that. I mean, he's literally leaving them and he's saying to them, all right, what is the most important thing that I can tell you when I leave? So I'm going to talk to you about abiding in me and me abiding in you. That's what he tells them. Out of all the things he could have talked to them about, he talks to them about abiding in me and me abiding in you. Man, I've told so many people before, they get frustrated. I've been frustrated. I had my dad tell me this many times. I've had my uh, former bosses that have told me, is like, Rife, when you don't know what to do, just slow it down and, and, and move forward. Like slow and steady wins the race. You've heard that, right? Childhood story. Slow and when you don't know what what to do, just stay where you are. Just slow it down. Uh, You know, don't make any rash decisions, but go forward, whatever you do. Just ease forward. What they're telling me is be steadfast. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated. Don't throw in the towel. Just be steadfast. Abide in him. Just abide. Just abide in what you're doing, and it will work out eventually it will work out. You've heard people say that before. Well, just keep what you're doing. Just keep what you're doing. 
and it will eventually work out. Well, he was basically telling the disciples, look, if you stay abiding in me, if me, me and you, let's just stay together. You stay with me, stick with me, and you'll be okay. Stick with me, and you will be okay. I'm telling you what, there is nothing more comforting in life than if you are ever caught in trouble. I don't know if you've ever been caught in a life-threatening situation. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where I don't know what to do, and this is, like, like this is potentially life-ending. And I've been with people that they've looked at me and they've said, just stick with me and do what I do. Do what I tell you to do and we'll be okay. I'm telling you what, I've been in a few situations out, outdoors where I'm like, you know, when I'm in a, uh, whether it's rafting or something like that. And it's like, dude, this is scary. Like, I don't know how we're going to get down there. And the person who was in the know had this refreshing spirit, like, hey, you just abide with me, stay with me, stick with me, do what I do, do what I tell you to do, and everything is going to be okay. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, if you abide in me and let me abide in you, everything is going to work out. But I don't know how this is working. I don't know what's this going to happen. How's the government going to be overturned? Blah, 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 you know, throwing it out. And it's like, don't worry about any of that. Abide in me. Let me abide in you. Let us be connected. And it will all work out. What he's basically doing is what McDonald's does, what Wendy's does, what, um, uh, um, I don't know, I guess Chick-fil-A does it. Any number, they upsize it. You, you ever gone and you got, I think, Wendy's is the biggie menu, right? So you, so you go, you got those little dollar menus you can live on, but, you know, I want the biggie. You know, give me that biggie frosty. Like, pile that chocolate ice cream or yogurt or whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called, but it's chocolatey good. Give me the biggie size. Upsize me, supersize me. That's what he's saying to the disciples. He's saying, listen, you, you, can, you can have eternal life, and, and, or then you could have abundant life. Like, I've come that you might have abundant life. I'm coming that you're not just getting by. You know, y'all have heard me talk about, and I appreciate the old songs that I grew up on in church, and they're wonderful, lots of them. As a matter of fact, there was one song, one old song uh, called He Abides, and I was thinking about that. Does anybody know that song, by the way? Trivia. I, I know you do, Alan, because we come from the same cut. He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. Uh, I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way. Hallelujah, or the comforter abides with me. It's, you know, those, a lot of those old songs were good, but a lot of those old songs were not so good. You know, I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl, praise God. <laughs> Keeping my record bright, right, or whatever. Watching for day and night, is he coming? We're so focused on the afterlife and, and, and escaping hell that we're no good here. And Jesus said this. He said... The kingdom of God is at hand, and the kingdom of God is in you. It will flow out of your bellies like living water. That's what he said. So he wasn't teaching us to just escape this old world, you know. It's like that hee-haw song. I better get back on track real fast. It's like that old hee-haw song, you know. It's like, uh, 
gloom, despair, and agony on me. You know, sometimes I really felt like we were singing some of those songs in the church. And I'm like, oh, my God, if the world's going to hell in a handbasket, if we could just get, get out of this place and get with Jesus. Listen, we miss the fact that he is Emmanuel, God with us, meaning that he's the God that abides in us. While we're in this world, he's called us to be the light in the world. I think we've got that, the overall understanding in this church, uh, at least. I don't know how well we live it out, but we certainly put it out there before us time and time again. And so... Uh, you know, I want the biggie size of Jesus. I want the super size. Upsize me, man. And I want you to look at this. John chapter 3, uh, verse 30 is like just the, 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 the foundation scripture for this. It says that he, Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. If you want to grow in the Lord, you've got to look at some things in your world that are keeping him from being greater. That's why we spent a lot of time this morning singing prophetically about making room for him. So God, you must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So in this series on greater, we're going to focus on spiritual growth. I'm going to give you some stuff, and as I tell you here many times week after week, you can do with it what you want. You can let it sit, but I don't know. Whatever kind of ground you are depends on you. You can be hard ground. You can be, you know, hard soil. It can fall by the wayside. You can let your mind run. But I'm telling you what, when I come into this room on Sunday, I'm not thinking about my job tomorrow. When I say my job, Pastor Rife, this is your job. Yeah, I get that. But I'm not thinking. If you come to me and you want to talk about something tomorrow, today, uh, that's we're supposed to focus on tomorrow, that's not what this time is for. This time is for us to focus on spirit of God and to grow in him. And so... Look at this. Let's read John 15. We're going to read uh, down. I'm probably going to read to verse 17, I think. But it says in verse 1, are you ready? I'm going to kind of go back and forth between uh, versions here. I typically read out of the New Living Translation. But I love how it says the word abide in the King James Version. So verse 1, I am the true, Jesus is speaking, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. Circle more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message. You've already been pruned. Like, it doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with God. If you've heard the word of God, there's already a pruning that has been started in your life. You may not even know it. He says, you've been purified by the message I've given you. He says, remain in me or abide in me, and I will remain or abide in you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit. This is why. A branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Then he repeats it. It's like in this whole thing, I'm like, dude, he's just, he's just repeating himself over and over. The only reason I can figure out that the Lord's doing that right here is it's important. Like if you hear somebody repeating themselves over and over, listen to that. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So we went to more fruit, to much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, no fruit, 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, circle words, my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, circle much fruit, when you produce much fruit, not if you produce much fruit, when you produce it. The Lord is looking at us and he's going, so when's it going to happen? I'm watching. When, when are you going to produce much fruit? Because you're built to produce fruit. He says, when you produce much fruit, this is what happens. Then you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. And I'm going to stop right there. When we produce much fruit, it brings great glory to the Father. All right? Look at this. So many times we want to get into the Word when God wants the Word to get into us. I want you to take this to heart and take it home because everybody's starting. Preacher, I just, and, and I, I, y'all, just bear with me. I'm, sometimes I'm just amusing myself. I've had several people, we talked about it this morning in our volunteer group. Preacher, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Amy, that's your voice, by the way. <laughs> She's one of the ones that told me, no, preacher, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Praise God, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I hadn't done it for the last 38 years, but I'm doing it this year. I'm on, I'm, listen, can I just tell you this? That is awesome. That is awesome. But so many times we want to get into the Word, but God wants the Word to get into us. Hey, listen, it's, reading the Bible through is great. There's nothing wrong with that. I suggest everybody do it at least once in your lifetime so you know what, where, where the things are and what's in here. But many times, I remember as, uh, when I was working in, in the public school as an ESL instructor. And the kids would come in. And w- basically what we're doing is we're not necessarily teaching them English as much as we are trying to teach them to comprehend English as it applies to science, math, and all the other uh, uh, curricula. And if they can't understand English, they won't be able to understand science because they won't be able to understand what it's saying. So we are interested in comprehension. What is your reading comprehension level? We don't care that you went in and you're like, the square root of X, Y, and Z is equal to, you know, A, B, C minus F and G. And we don't care if you just read that. Do you know what it means? God does not care if you can quote John 3.16 or the 23rd Psalm or you know, any of that. He doesn't care about that as much as he does. Do you know what it means? Yeah. Not only do you know what it means, do you know how to apply it? Yeah. He doesn't care as much about you being able to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control, and there's one other one that I missed. He doesn't care as much that we can spit those out as much as we manifest them in our life. So it's not necessarily as much about getting the word uh, or into the word. It is more about getting the word into us, letting the word change us. And look, many times I'll tell people, don't be a reader of the word. Be a student of the word. 
It's better if you read one chapter or one portion of a chapter and you go through it and you fully comprehend that and you go, wow, this is how I'm going to act that out, how I'm going to live that out. Instead of you reading an entire book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in one night, did you comprehend it and what will you do with it? Look at this. He says... You've already been pruned by my word. And he talks about abiding in his word, letting my word remain in you and, and you remaining in the word. So there's this, this relationship with the word that is super important. Look at this. My closeness with the Lord depends on my connection with his word. This is important. My closeness with the Lord depends on my connection with his word. Look, oh, man, I feel closest to the Holy Spirit when, when I'm worshiping in the music part of the service. You know what? I get that same feeling when I'm at a secular concert. What? Those same emotions well up in me. I'll be at a secular concert. They're not singing one thing about Jesus, and I'll begin to tear up and cry. Why? Because music makes us cry. Words make us cry. But that doesn't mean the Holy Ghost is in it or on it. And we've got to be careful that we recognize where Holy Spirit is. Because the world can counterfeit what... And I'm not saying every concert is bad or anything like that. Because I go to concerts. I'm not saying that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is we've got to recognize the anointing over giftedness. And so there's a connection with the word. He says you've been purified by my word. He says that we as believers are washed by the word. And so there's this connection between my closeness with the Lord. That's why many times if you are a great musician or you're an incredible singer, or you're an amazing lyricist, like you can put lyrics together, you're a poet, you're a psalmist. Well, poets and psalmists are different. Poets, nothing wrong with poets, but a psalmist is sort of like an anointed poet. Now, if you're not careful, what will happen if you don't have a foundation in the Word, you can have some really good worship songs that are as far off base biblically as like I've, I've been in places and I'm like that is not, actually not biblical you know that's not correct I've had people to come and tell me things like y'all don't need to sing that song listen if you ever come to me and tell me or anybody on our praise team you better know what you're talking about I had this guy to come and tell me one time he's like y'all don't need to sing that song anymore preacher it's not biblical. And I'm like, you know what it is, right? It's literally, and I forget which scripture it was, but it's literally like Colossians. It's the one about Jesus is the firstborn of creation. Preacher Jesus, he wasn't born. He was never created. I'm like, bro, we literally are singing scripture. It would be like we were singing, For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us. Preacher, you can't sing that now. It's literally John 3.16. I don't know what to tell you. Like, 
Somewhere there was, he was not, he didn't know. He didn't know. And, and so, you know, that's why it's important to be connected to the word. That we know everything goes back to the word. Doesn't matter how good it sounds. Doesn't matter how it makes us feel. It's all about what does the word say. So I want you to look at this. So graphe is the written word. That's this. The written word. All right. Man, I got in so much trouble one time. Well, I didn't really get in trouble because my pastor had, the, had, had me, uh, was there to back me up. But I was preaching to the youth group. Rochelle was in my youth group. She was a, uh, a teenager at that time. I don't know if she remembers this. But I was teaching them about the word of God. And I said, this right here, this right here is, you know, when we talk about the word of God and how we reverence the word of God, I said, this right here is not really the word of God. All right, stick with me because it is, but stick with me. And I, and I, and I said this, I said, some people will reverence this. I gave an example of my next door neighbor that they didn't even go to church and they were as heathenistic as any pagan on the planet. But I was over their house. I didn't uh, know anything about the word. I, didn't, I wasn't a Christian or anything. And I'm helping my buddy clean his room up. And so I'm just straightening stuff up in his room. And so I, I, I see uh, there's a Bible there. I knew it was a Bible. And then I start stacking stuff on his Bible. And he comes over to me. Now, this is a pagan telling me this, all right? And he's like, oh, you can't put this on there. And I'm like, what? What did I do? And he's like, this is, this is the Bible, man. You can't put anything on the Bible. Okay, he had a respect for the graphe, but he had no respect for the logos, the living word. All right, so the graphe, the graphe is just what, what Tyndale publishers or whoever, whoever published this, all right? Who, uh, Tyndale House publishers published this. This is the graphe. If I drive off today with this on the top of my car, and believe me, I've done that before, and it goes flying and pages start, you know, going. I'm not spreading the word of God necessarily, you know, but it's going everywhere and the semi runs over it. Hey, can I tell you the word of God was not dishonored or destroyed. This is the graphe. This is the logos that they put into written format so that it can be spread throughout the world in written format. So the graphe is the written word. The logos is what makes this real. I mean, anybody, I mean, there, there are documents around the world, whether you know it or not. There are other documents that sound like the Bible that are not in the Bible. They sound inspired by the Holy Spirit that are not in the Bible. Some other churches actually have those in their version of the Bible, but we don't have those. So there are certain graphe, written word, but it's not necessarily the logos, God-inspired word. And then this right here, the rhema, is when it, it, all of these mean the word. All of these mean the message. When he says, the message that I've given to you, you've already been purified by it. He's saying, the logos that I already gave to you. Last Sunday, I was preaching in this house, and I was talking about pruning. There was a gentleman here, never met him before, just met him that, that, that time, and he said, God had me to be here today because I'm in a season of pruning. And I learned through your message, the Holy Spirit speaking through me, I learned that I have misinterpreted the season of pruning as failure. And I have been beating myself up about that season of pruning. And he said, this was a message for me. You know what he was saying? 
This was a rhema for me. That word that day for him was a rhema word. God, Logos, Jesus was speaking directly to that man. I never met him. I've met him since then. I don't know if he will be a part of my life or if he won't. But God was speaking to him through this message. There is a dynamic connection between the word of God. How do do you know the word of God? You got to hear it first. How do you hear it? That's why it's so good for servants in this house who share the word of God, either in ministry or in testimony from time to time. How how will they know the word unless they have somebody who teaches them the word? How will they have somebody who teaches the word unless somebody is sent to them to teach the word with the word in their mouth? Look at this. The Greek word for abide is uh, menos. That word means this. There's a connectivity. There's that when we say we abide in him and he abides in me, there's, it, it's, it means we are connected to him. All right? So it comes with this idea of connectivity, but it also comes with this idea of community. Now, I need a drum up here on this stage that I can just carry around. I need to be like one of those, uh, you know, in the Civil War or whatever, and they just, you know, got one that they just pound on. Because, man, I'm telling you, I beat this drum a lot. I beat this drum a lot, the community drum. Man, you need to be in community. You need to be in community. You need to be in the community. And friendship on Facebook is not community. That's a face-false community. You need to be in genuine biblical community. Last week in the takeaway, the takeaway was this. Surround yourself with godly people. Get you an entourage of people that you surround yourself with because in that godly fellowship, in that godly friendship, in that godly community, people are going to call you out when you're out of place. And you need people in your life. See, people get mad if I say it. Like if I call you out on something, why? Because you're not in super close community with me. Like I'm telling you, the people in this house that are in close community with this church and me, they can speak into my life and I don't get offended. Or if I do get offended, I'll get over it. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you can't control of, uh, you. You can't control that you get offended, but you can control what you do with the offense. But when I speak it to certain people, there are certain people in this house that I can tell them, "Hey, this in your life is out of order, and you're too old for that." I don't mean you too old chronologically. I mean you too old spiritually. You're too old for that. You done taught this to folks, and you're not living it. Get it together, man. Butch, ha- Butch and I have a relationship, and he said something one night, and I don't even remember what I said, but he, we joke about it sometimes, and, I, and I, just, I, I called him on it, and I said, well, stop doing that and start doing what you want to do. Like, I've heard you talk about that too long. Do something or shut up. Like, I just don't want to hear you continue to talk about it over and over. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, it's in our mentoring group. If you don't want to be told to your face and mentored, don't come to that group. But if you want to grow, if you want to increase, come to that group. So it's about connection. It's about community. And it's not just about community. It's about the condition of the connection. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but if you... the Last to get here and the first to leave, you're not going to connect with this church. 
That might be all right for a few weeks, but if you're still doing that six months into, in, in, into your relationship at Destiny, you're not going to grow in community with us. You're not ever going to fully feel a part of the family. You're, yeah, you're going to be here. You might even be a member or blah, 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 but it's about the condition all right, y'all hear me? I'm beating the drum. I'm beating my community war drum. It's like, it's about the condition of your connection. How well are you, not, not just hanging on by a thread, but how well you're connected. There'll be some people that'll tell me, man, I had this, 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 and I'm like, I'm sorry, I had no idea. I had no idea. It's because we're not connected. I mean, we're, we're sort of in community, but it's like way out here. But there are people when they have something in their family that's going on, I know it because we're connected. We're in that community. We're abiding together. Jesus said, when we abide in him, there is, there is something about connection, but there's also something about community. The key word is unity. It's not that I'll just come here. I'm like, I've had people years and years ago, I don't know if there's anybody here today, like this, but I've had people years and years to go, well, I come because, and they put the reason that they come out here, but I really don't agree with, uh, with y'all on X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, why are you here then? Because those are core values of this church. Those are core values. Like, those are, those are not like, hey, I like Oreos. That's not a core value. But if you can't agree with us on core values, man, it's like that's a big deal. You will not ever settle in here. You need to find a place where you can settle in into community. And then it's continual. So abide, this Greek word menos, when he says, I want you to abide in me. It's like I want you to be connected with me. Not only do I want you to be connected with me, I want you to be in community, in unity with, with me. What God is doing, it's not about what you want to do. It's not about what I want to do. As a matter of fact, I don't know if it was Rochelle or Sheila or whoever was saying during, during the uh, time of testimony, and they're like, I don't want to mess up the order or whatever. And I'm like, the order is whatever Holy Spirit says it is. You know, because we're in community. We're listening to him. And then it's continual. It's continual. Listen to me. You may not be this person, but I know many people, and they are not continual. They are not steadfast in their faith. They will come for a few weeks or come for a few months, and before you know it, you don't see them. You call and check on them. You beg them to come back, and you yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. They come back in. They're there. They're whatever. And listen to me. I, I'm like Jesus. I have, I have a person, and if you're watching today, I don't think they're here, but if you're watching today, you'll know this is you. I have a person that they're, they're like, hey, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to get in. I, I'm ready to dive in. I'm ready to dig in. I, I want to lead X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, first of all, you're not going to lead anything at Destiny. It's a privilege to lead here. It's not a right. Man, I'm called to God. I'm a prophet. You ain't nothing to me, my friend. Like, you know, there, there are things that the Lord, he lays before us as, as those who profess to be leaders and teachers of the word are called to a higher standard. That's what James tells us. You don't just get to blow in here and it's like, I'm God's gift to the church. And that may be true because I am God's gift to the church. And you are God's gift to the church. He said, I, Ephesians 4.11 says, I have given these gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But it's like, we don't just march in and arrogantly say, here I am. Where's my place of ministry? At the toilet bowl. 
go clean that and let's see how you do. And then we'll see how you prophesy because we ain't interested in all of that. Where can you serve first? And how, how often? Because I'm telling you, like by the time you come back and, you know, we don't forgot your name. People don't know who you are. And I'm like, you can't expect to, to lead something and nobody knows who you are. Abiding in him is a continual. And part of that means, you know, church community. Part of that is in the word. You know, you have these guys, the seven sons of Sceva, who, man, they go about and they're trying to cast devils out. These are boys who were raised in church. Their dad, Sceva, was the chief priest And the devil whipped their tail. And before he did it, (laughs) he said, I know Paul, who y'all are talking about, and I know Peter. I've seen those guys. I've seen them in action. And yeah, I'm not messing with them too much. But now who are y'all? Because I don't know you. Like in the word, constantly changed in the word. It's a continuation in the word. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Be continual. Be steadfast. Let's look at this. Say it with me. My closeness with the Lord depends on my connection with the word. Somebody give me some stop in music and I'm going to share these five things with you. Five things that I want you to know about abiding in Christ. Five things, okay? Number one, if we are going to abide in Christ, it's a commandment. He says, abide in me. He doesn't, he's, now if I was Jesus in rife flesh, I would probably be doing it like, so guys, listen, I'm going to kind of pitch this to you. I hope y'all catch it. So it'd be really good, man, if we abided in Christ, if we abided in him. Y'all don't want me to be Jesus. Thank God we got a Jesus. Jesus, he didn't come to be diplomatic. He didn't come to make you feel good. He came to just tell you how it is and me how it is. And he says, listen, if you want to increase, abide in me. It's not a suggestion. He doesn't say if you want to increase, it'd be really good. Now, there are some other options that you can take these options to and increase. And there's natural increase. He didn't go into all of that. He said, abide in me. If you want to increase, abide in me. The alternative to that is the, uh, the inductive, I think is how you say it, is, hmm, so if I don't abide in him, I won't increase. So if I don't want to grow, then I don't abide in him, and I don't produce fruit. Well, I think I heard that. I think I heard that in John chapter 15. But he says, abide in me. So it's a commandment. It's an emphatic statement. It's not something that's negotiable if we want to increase. The second thing is this. Abiding in him completes me in Christ. Abiding in him completes me in Christ. You come and you just begin to serve the Lord, live with the Lord, grow in the Lord. Like you don't have to know. You don't have to be a theologian uh, teaching guys to get their MDibs. You don't need to know how to write a dissertation in theology in six weeks or six months or whatever. All you have to do is just begin learning. Just get on the learning wagon. 
and just begin learning where, where you can. I remember when I got saved at 15 years old, I was so embarrassed because all the other uh, students in the youth group, they could tell you who Melchizedek was and Abraham, and they could k- quote all their wives and all their kids. And, all, and, and I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. And I would feel intimidated and insecure because I wasn't. But it didn't matter. I was there, and I began learning. I can't even tell y'all some of that stuff now, you know, and I have a degree in it. But I'm growing. I'm abiding in him. And this is one thing that I know that, like, it doesn't matter if I don't know how to do something. I used to be very intimidated if I didn't know how to do something. Now I don't, if I don't know, I just ask. Like, people who are more advanced in me in their spiritual walk and experience, I ask them, how do you do that? Like, how, what level, how did you get to that place in your spiritual walk? And they just tell me, and I have the ability to do what they do if I want to. Because everything that's in me, hear me, church. Everything, I remember this little story. Noah, when he was a little boy, we were talking about something, and some little booger comes on TV. Like, when I say booger, I'm talking about little monster comes out on this uh, show that we're watching, little kids show, and some little monster comes out from under the bed, and, and you know, I can tell he's just, and I said, <laughs> this is me, I said, you know what I would do? I said, I said, you don't have to be scared. I said, I'd, I would look at that little booger, and I would say, I would start speaking in tongues, and I would just rebuke him, and he goes, uh-uh, daddy, uh-uh, daddy, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't do tongues. Uh, you know, he's just like little, about three or four years old. He's like, Daddy, I don't do tongues. But you have the ability to. You have the ability to prophesy. You have the ability to heal. You have the, the ability to save, not in you can do it, but you can bring salvation to somebody through the good news. You have the ability to do whatever you want to do. Right now, there's nothing in you that you do not have, uh, that you don't already possess. When you are a child, you don't have a beard. Thank God, because that would be weird. But you have everything in you, little boy, to produce a beard. You have everything within you to produce a child. You have everything within you, little girl, to to produce milk from your breasts for your child one day. You don't have it now. It's not time for that right now. But everything you need to be the adult that God created you to be is already in you. As a matter of fact, it's not even when they come out of the womb. It's already in their DNA while they are just a mass of cells within the body. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. And when we come to Christ, he completes us. When he comes into our world, when he inhabits our bodies, when he inhabits us and we say, come abide, come live in me, he comes with the fullness that he is. He doesn't go like, hang on, I'm gonna step into you. You know, this is just kind of in Rife's head how it looks. Here's me. I'm Jesus, Holy Spirit. I'm fixing to climb into you because you invited me in. Uh, man, you're kind of rank and raunchy and nasty. and Even though I cleaned you up, you're still rough. I- I'm going to leave a few things out. We'll come back to get those. No, 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 no. Wherever he goes, he goes in the fullness of his glory. I'm telling you the truth. 
Wherever he goes, he goes in the fullness of who he is. He doesn't lay anything aside, and he doesn't go, I'm fixing to climb into you. All right? And, and it's like, boom, here we are. When he climbs into me, when he abides in me, everything in him that I need is in there. I have the ability to prophesy from the day I get saved. It might not come to fruition until whenever, whenever. I have the ability to lay hands on and heal. I may not even know how to do that. I have the ability to do all of these things because abiding in him completes me, completes you. Abiding in him increases my capacity for fruitfulness. When you abide in him, I'm telling you the truth. When you abide in him, what does abiding in him look like? I'm trying to tell you, and I'll, I'll tell you even more as I close here in a minute. Abiding in him, remaining steadfast in him, allowing him to reside in you and you reside in him, it increases your uh, capacity to be fruitful. He goes through all these levels of fruitfulness. Well, first of all, there are people who are believers who don't produce any fruit. They're eternally secure, they're saved, but they are not doing anything productive with their Christian life. They look more like the world than they do uh, Christ. Those are people with no fruit. He says, I cut those off. There are people who produce fruit. When we begin to live in him, we produce fruit. Then we produce more fruit. Then we produce much fruit. And then he says, this is how they really know that you're my disciples, that you produce much fruit. That's how I, what scripture says, uh, you are my disciples when you produce much fruit. And then abiding confirms my identity. Abiding in him confirms my identity. Like he says, they will know you by the fruit that you bear. They will know you in another place by your love for one another. I'm just telling you, there are a lot of people that believe that they are abiding in him and they're not. Why? Because they don't love their brother. How do you know? Because we see them posting it on Facebook and Instagram and wherever else. Or sometimes just acting out in church. Like, my abiding in him confirms my identity. If you, see, if you see a tree that has peaches on it, it is not an apple tree. If you see a tree that has pears on it, it's not an apricot tree. It's a pear tree. It's a peach tree. Whatever the fruit is, that's what the tree is. If we are abiding in him, our fruit looks like him. The war, God wants the world to be... Uh, God wants the world to see Jesus in me. Therefore, I will live a life that reflects his glory. In other words, I will live a life that bears fruit that looks like him. So the world can tell who I am. All right? Last one is this. Abiding promises us the comforter. I'm not going to go into this uh, today. It's going to be another message. But abiding in him promises us the comforter in John chapter 14 the verse right before this he says another comforter is coming paraclete helper another helper is coming abiding in him 
promises us that Holy Spirit is there to help us. Guys, can I tell you this? If you're not tapping into Holy Spirit, well, Holy Spirit resides in me, preacher, when I get saved. That is true. But we believe that there is a second and very definitive outpouring, a grace where God, he baptizes you in his Holy Spirit to be witnesses for him and comes alongside of us to be our helper in that process. So these are things that I want you to know about abiding. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to go through the comforter uh, a little more in depth. So say it with me. Here's the key I want you to go home with. My closeness with the Lord depends on my connection with the Word. In other words, you can even change that. My closeness with the Lord depends on my connection with the Logos. The Logos is the Word. All right? So activate and apply. This is, I've talked to you all this time. Here's how you need to improve uh, or uh, activate it. One, join a small group. That's just, that's, that'll do two things for you. One, it'll get you in the word. And number two, you'll begin to build godly community. Get some godly friends. You can do that if you join a small group. These are just practical ways because I can't tell you how many times people will hear what I say and you're going to forget over 90% of what I've told you today. You will. It's a proven statistic that when you walk out of here, you will not remember 90% of what I've said today. But if you act it out, if you engage it in your life, it's going to increase your knowledge in the words that I've shared with you from the word today. Engage in church more often. Not come to church. Engage in church more often often. I'm still, I can sound like a grandpa. I can sound like a dinosaur. I can sound like an old school. I can sound like an unwoke person, but I'm telling you, the more you engage with the local body of Christ, the more you are going to increase. Why? Because preachers didn't make this up. He says in his word, let us not forget the gathering together of the saints, the assembly, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Let's not forget that. And this is the last one. Talk to God every day. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I would say pray to him in the spirit every day. Talk to him every day. When you get up. Y'all know me. I'm sorry. Some of y'all look so dignified. And I mean that in a good way. Y'all look so dignified. I'm sorry you don't have a more dignified pastor. This is just my skin, who I am. Talk to him when you're on the commode. Talk to him when you're in the shower. Talk to him when you're going to bed and when you get up. Talk to him when you're outside riding on your lawnmower and when you're fishing. Talk to him when you just cussed because you got irritated and apologize, repent, and grow from it. Talk to him with your kids and talk to him with your wife. Talk to him at church and at work. Talk to the Lord all the time. Talk to him. When you feel religious and spiritual and when you don't. Talk to him when you know you've made him proud and when you know you've fallen short of the glory of God. Talk to him all the time. This is how you grow in the Lord.